0: Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for beaversedge.com joined by beaver's edge writer and kgo radio host tj matthewson we're back here with another edition of the podcast got a big show for you guys today we're going to be breaking down the remainder of the beaver's edge top 25 number one through nine going to be breaking that down in detail we also have a few couple newsy items to discuss fall camp starting right around the corner Uh, lots of stuff to discuss there as well and also going to touch on the uh, not so great news of colorado's uh, impending departure from the pac 12 as well so lots to dive into today on the big podcast thanks a bunch for everyone for tuning in to check it out dj what's going on man how are you uh, looks like we got you uh, a new background set up today
1: yeah i know you guys like it it's nice it's I, nice to do one of these from uh, from home uh, a convenient work schedule today allows sure, me to, yeah. to do this at my actual recording setup which is actually kind of yeah. nice i have real lighting uh not as much background but yeah. an actual microphone too it, it's a nice balance you know i yeah. like it and it's comfortable
0: yeah, I need to. I need to maybe. Uh, need to maybe invest and get me a a stand up mic at home because. Uh, yeah. I, it just it, I, it can be nice for sure.
1: Yeah, I need a better one to be honest. If I'm gonna upgrade, I want to buy like a real microphone. This is not, I I wouldn't qualify this as a real microphone. It is, however, better than the uh, than the other option than than not having one. So <laughs> yeah, we no, uh, we sure. balance, so- but this is a, the life of a small town radio host is you uh, you get what you can. <laughs> But yeah, we'll uh, we'll try as we get as we get uh, more along in this thing.
0: Absolutely. And you're just building pieces of the puzzle as you go. And uh, again, we'll go ahead and and, and dive right into the, the breaking news before we get into the Beavers Edge uh, top 25. And TJ and I will also be talking a little bit about fall camp as the Beavers uh, are set to start fall camp next week. We're awaiting the exact specifics on exactly uh, when we'll be at uh, the pro throw practice fields, but absolutely expect Beavers Edge to be there. TJ and I will uh, have full coverage of DJU and Jonathan Smith and the Beavers this year as they get ready to uh, enter the season. It's going to be exciting, lots of awesome stuff. And uh, also got to drop a, an important piece of news. Uh, the Beavers uh, picked up a commitment last night uh, on the recruiting trail from uh, Rakeem Johnson, an offensive lineman out of Idaho. That brings uh, the total recruiting class up to 12 for the Beavers in 2024. And uh, Rakeem Johnson is now the fifth offensive line commit uh, beavers definitely continuing to uh, build the trenches with the uh, coach mahal and for a team that establishes their identity with the uh, with the run game as oregon state does uh, you know the you, you can definitely check out uh, all of our analysis on the uh, on the recruiting class but we can say pretty confidently uh, coach mahal has got another great group of uh, uh, recruits coming in so oregon state continuing to uh, build strong in the trenches but Let's go ahead and dive into Dion and in Colorado and the Buffs. I'll, you know, just real quick here, TJ. We'll get the obligation out of the way. Uh, a bit of a bummer news. Um, can't say that I was shocked by the news. Um, I figured after the comments we heard at Pac-12 Media Day that it was going to kind of be all quiet on the Western front for a little while, and then this happens, and you realize that nothing like this happens instantly. This was planned and deliberately drawn out over time. So um, briefly, my thoughts on it. Um, we'll see if the Pac-12 holds together with some scotch tape and glue. And maybe we just found the easiest way to an eight-game conference schedule. Beyond that, um, it, it could be interesting to see how these chips fall. The onus is going to be on George Clave to get a media rights deal in play. Like we've talked about, it, like it's a broken record. Uh, it's beyond too late. To have to have had this done, but now you need to, you know, find a way to get something in place so conference doesn't just you know rip apart at the seams.
1: Colorado had been having these meetings for months and months. Mm -hmm. Like this, I can't say I'm I'm with you. We we heard leaks like this for for months about a potential interest in the Big Twelve. But this is the first time that it's actually serious. And as we're recording right. here on Thursday, it's going to probably be official later this afternoon when they, they formally apply for Big 12 membership. In, in a vacuum, in terms of a competition standpoint, the Pac-12 is losing nothing competition-wise because if you think about it, Colorado finished last place four times more than they made bowl games in mm. Pac-12, which is just remarkable. It is... Yeah. It is honestly incredible, the efficiency (laughs) that they did that in. However, leading to the stability, there is not much stability there because as of right now recording, there has been zero dollars guaranteed beyond next year for TV rights for any of the Pac-12 schools. And that includes your major brands like Oregon and Washington who each outflank every single Big 12 school there is, every single one of them. And yet those Big 12 schools... Have what thirty-two million dollars guaranteed for the next six years beyond next year when their new TV rights deal comes into place. So that's where we're at. The, yep. There, there needs to be a number. There needs to be, uh, there needs to be some rights and a platform. Can hopefully, just- hopefully, that we can get to a point where the the Pac-12 presidents. And the athletic directors and George Klyovkov can look in the mirror and realize some of the damage they have done by thinking they are arguably too good for some Big 12 schools. I mentioned this to you before we started recording. I thought this was a really good point. The Pac-12, when the Big 12 was in disarray two years ago when Texas and Oklahoma said they were leaving, said they were too good to have some of these Big 12 schools come join their conference. They didn't align what politically. They didn't uh, align research-wise. They sure. didn't align academically. So that leads to ah, We're good. Not thinking about survivability. Not the thing we've talked about the most yeah. is the the conference not thinking ahead enough. Sure. And this is really where it comes back and bites them. And this is sort of the Pac-12's ego coming back and slapping themselves in the face. Started by Larry Scott enabled by many of yeah. the presidents and athletic directors who kept them in power. Some of those athletic True. directors and presidents still in power today. And this is what they get. This is like, this is what happens. And, you know, my last thought on this, this really just delays the inevitable. Like the Pac- sure the PAC 12 is probably going to break apart. If not this TV deal, next TV deal. I just don't think there's enough interest, but I sure. keep saying as my prediction with college sports, like how far away from me are we the the 30 best football programs band together and decide you know what we can make a lot more money on our own besides dragging northwestern and indiana and iowa state and all the in in and, and colorado and and all these other smaller programs around why don't we just make our own hear me out professional league and go okay. make way more money on our own and That's when, that's what I think eventually happens, obviously. And this kind of just delays the inevitable. It all seems really just unnecessary.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, a kind of a gut punch to the Pac-12. It's kind of a gut punch to everything that, you know, George Kaliefkopf said at Pac-12 Media Day last week. And, you know, when he was asked point blank, you know, do you expect any more deflections? And he's like, no. And, you know, then this happens. That's definitely a bad look. And to put it really simply, TJ, It looks like you don't have your house under control in the metaphor that everybody knows, you know, get your house in order. His house is not in order right now. And that's where it's like, if you don't know what's going on in your own house, maybe, maybe, maybe some problems. So, I mean, there's still enough, there's still an opportunity to salvage what's left. And again, like TJ said, if everybody else is content for the moment and it was just colorado from a competition standpoint you're not really going to miss the buffs no. so you know we'll see it's not you know decom zero but it's getting close so to speak right
1: and we sit here thinking about george 10 years so far but when he came in to replace larry scott I was like, oh thank god right thank god but here's what has happened under george klyovkov watch you're too big at your the two la schools gone colorado gone uh and a year plus of negotiating a tv deal with zero results after the big 12 jumped you in line for tv right. money taking significantly less time to secure tv money and the pac-12 saying you know we can do better on the open market how's yeah. that working out not right not very well and Who's in charge of getting that TV deal done? It's George. He's mm-hmm. he's in charge of it, and he has not delivered. It, like I, I want to have confidence in a new commissioner that's not Larry Scott, but we look at the results he has produced, and it's sucked. It's been it's been awful.
0: Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, it's, it's
1: that's where we're at. It's one
0: of yeah, it's one of those things where it's many many decisions over a big window got you to this point, and it's unfortunate we're. We're at this point, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see, you know, how the chips fall. And, you know, we just we, we felt like we wanted to uh, address it on the podcast because, you know, it's it's another thing that's going to impact this conference's ability to get, you know, its media rights done. And so I keep telling people enjoy this 2023, 2023 season, excuse me, because after that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens even specifically for Oregon State. So. That's a podcast and another discussion for another day. Uh, Let's go ahead and dive into some of the fall camp discussions, TJ, and then we'll uh, get in and uh, discuss the final bit of the Beaver's Edge Top 25 list. But, uh, you know, again, we got fall camp starting up next week. Oregon State, head coach Jonathan Smith, uh, 2023 football season, some new faces, some important position battles and whatnot. Going to be a lot of things we're going to be keeping an eye on. But, uh, TJ, I'm curious just right off the bat – What's uh what's one thing you're gonna be looking for uh just to open up fall camp and what's one thing
1: you're kind of excited for? Excited to watch the quarterbacks. I'm curious to see, like, is Aiden Childs gonna look better than everyone else again? It was I mean, it was pretty <laughs> obvious in spring. He was he looked way better than the other two right. quarterbacks. His athleticism helped a lot he's running around and throwing on the run. And, you know, half the starters are sitting out spring spring ball anyways, but that's not sure. going to be a case when fall rolls around. So I just think that's kind of curious, but besides the obvious answer of quarterback, the middle linebackers are, yeah, that's a really that's a important spot. position. You lost a lot of production out of that group and Easton Mascarenas, we assume is going to start at one of those spots. He's gotten a lot of run uh, filling in and on special teams as well. in prior right. seasons, and now he's going to be trusted to jump in there and really, embrace a a, a full-time role and then besides him right it's John Miller we think but there's other more unknown options there Mason Tufaga, Makaya Tong like who's actually going to step in and and really embrace that linebacker role because even if you have your two starters there who lack experience you also have backups who also lack experience so that's going to be an interesting group and that's a very that's a very important part of this Trent Bray defense and a sleeper is something that I haven't we have not mentioned enough. Kicker, 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 mm. kicker. Yes. Beaver's yes. still. Everett Hayes is coming off a shaky season, and yeah. you know, the 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 difference between eleven and one and nine and three could be two sweeps of his leg and two misses in right. crummy November West Coast weather. So right. th- I think that's curious. He needs a good camp and he needs a good season because. He did not earn much i would say goodwill down the stretch last season
0: yeah it was definitely again all great points and and you know areas uh, that i i definitely we're going to be keeping an eye on for sure uh, inside linebackers very very intriguing to me i think like you said easton's got a spot locked up i think he's going to have a really big season but who gets that spot next to him is it one of those guys again it looked like john miller in the spring but you know a lot can happen since then um expect you know like tj said makaya and um um, uh, Mason Tufega to work into that mix as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to Everett, you know, regardless of the injury, you know, that, you know, that he was dealing with last year when he missed a little bit of time and all that, you know, as again, speaking as an observationist, his injury was supposedly a groin injury. I imagine a groin injury for a kicker is probably less than ideal. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and you know, that's probably something you, you know, I don't want to say it's like a sprained ankle where you maybe never really heal until the season's over, but it's probably something that's nagging you throughout the season, even when you're starting to get back. And, you know, the Beavers found out last year, even, you know, their their other options weren't, you know, world beaters either. Right. You know, Atticus Sappington, I think was a little bit more accurate when he came in, but he didn't have the distance that Everett had. So, you know, now you enter this spring or rather this fall after TJ and I saw spring a little bit, you know, you had Everett in the mix, you had Atticus in the mix again, you had Josh McCormick in the mix a little bit. But even with all that being said, TJ and I can still confidently say Everett's still their best option. He just needs to be better than he was this last year. And, you know, some of that I think some of that, you know, was just inconsistent kicking and I think he needs to improve. Um, but like you said, it can be the difference between like an eleven and one campaign and a nine and three campaign. I really Don't think that's a stretch to say.
1: And that's the difference between arguably actually making the playoff, which I meant like us talking about the playoff. Does, is that blow your mind yet, Brendan? (laughs) Or, you know, you just end up in the Alamo Bowl, right? What would you rather have? So I think that's pretty important. And then one sneaky one, who's going to be that third wide receiver? I mean, we assume Josiah Irish, but I don't think, I don't think he's really like, I don't think that's a guarantee by all like Is Zach, is Zach Card going to, is that card yeah. going to really show out as a true freshman this season? Yeah, like, Is he going to earn himself some serious playing time? Or are we going to see, you know, some more veterans in that group? Like, you know, Jimmy Vasslin or Jeremiah Noga or uh, uh, Trent Walker had a really big spring. He was Aiden Trowell's favorite target during the spring. So there's right. just a couple of names there that's going to be really curious who could stand out on the inside.
0: No, those are, those are good names, and I'll even throw in the two Juco guys they picked up, too, and Jamai East and Jalen Holmes. Those guys, uh, you know, Jamai East brings some good size, comes from that college of San Mateo where the Beavers have had, you know, quite a bit of success, you know, recently, just kind of being able to get plug-and-play guys, and then uh, Jalen Holmes, a little more underrated, but dude is lightning fast. So I'm curious to see, again, how that works out based on reading between the Tea leaves at, you know, um, or reading the tea leaves, excuse me, at, at Pac 12 Media Day. Jonathan kind of mentioned Josira, Josiah as that third receiver. So I'm curious to see if he's kind of has the, the edge there. I'm also curious to see how much the tight end position, particularly. Jack Belling showed some good moments last year. Can he take that next step? What will Jermaine Terry, the Cal transfer, who looks just like a massive, just huge target for DJU to throw the ball to? What does Riley Sharp look like? Uh, you know, Jake Overman's there as well. And he's been, you know, a guy of consistency for several years, more so as a blocker, but, you know, I think could offer something there too. So even if, you know, I guess that's kind of it with, you know, DJ or the offense in general, expecting to pass the ball more or just doing so more efficiently, I should say. It's going to be interesting to see who the recipient of some of those targets are. And, and TJ mentioned mm-hmm. it well, uh, some of those guys who could be filling in at the third spot. Um Otherwise, you know, we kind of know what's going to happen at offensive line. Uh, We'll get into it a little bit more as we uh, finish up the edge top 25 to close out the podcast, Uh, the defensive line. We kind of know what to expect there too. um, As far as the starters go, I'm definitely looking for which young guys impress on both sides of the line. Because again, particularly as mentioned earlier, Oregon state building up years and years of offensive line depth is the reason they're able to overcome graduations like You know, how many other schools could lose a a player like how many other schools in Oregon State's position could lose a player like Brandon Kipper and be like, yeah, the offensive line might be better?
1: Like, yeah,
0: that's that's
1: let's just put another all conference player in his spot,
0: right? So it's like that's 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 something that Coach Mahalczyk has has just got down to a T. So I'm curious to see which kind of young guys pop there. Um, maybe some outside, you know, obviously the the next biggest thing that the defense wants to do this year, TJ. Is get a pass rush. I'm curious to see which edge rushers kind of come to the table. Is, you know, did Drew Chatfield and John McCartan look like they're ready to go in their final years? Do we see Nico Taylor come into the mix after, you know, being one of the top Juco players this last year? Uh, Maybe Matthias Malachi Donaldson, who we've seen little flashes of here and there. A lot, you know, that's, that's the most exciting part about fall camp is sometimes some of those, you know, battles beyond just like, quarterback or whatnot because you know it's fall camps where a lot of that real competition is ironed out
1: and what about that interior pass rush too I mean one of those stars of spring Takari Hickel right you know, he's he was a monster inside and we saw a little bit of pressure from from Isaac Hodgins as well down yeah, there I think... underneath as well like that that like intriguing to see like the real difference of a elite pass rush is generating pressure from the interior It really just messes up the whole line and if you can get an interior pass rush against this offensive line, I feel like you'd have to be pretty confident against the rest of the Pac-12. So that'll be interesting. I mean, this is a defensive yeah, line that dominated during spring. I mean, just dominated. And I'm I'm curious to see how much of that's going to carry over and give people a reason to be excited.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And then, like, as TJ alluded to earlier, I'm just I'm, – I'm very excited to see uh, just – Oregon state in general, how they carry themselves with new expectations. Like it's one thing when we talk to the team in spring and you're several months removed from gameplay on both sides, like you're several months removed from the bowl game and several months away from playing again. But now that the expectations monster for lack of better terms has fully set in and people are talking, Hey, best case scenario, Oregon state could make a chase from playoff, you know, best case scenario, Oregon state could, you know, be in the PAC 12 championship. I'm very curious to see how the team carries themselves throughout fall camp. I'm curious to see how they, you know, uh, you know, handle interactions with us media. I'm curious to see how competitions go. I'm curious to just kind of see all the little intricacies that we'll be able to report on for sure. And, you know, again, uh, seems like a prime opportunity to say, make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com. Ms. TJ and I will be uh, at most practices uh, that we're allowed to be at this fall. And it's going to be exciting else you want to hit on fall camp wise tj before we uh dive in and close out the uh the edge top 25 we've got number one through nine the big reveal to finally finish up now but bottom line uh, coming i'm excited folks and it's going to be uh it's going to be mighty fun to bring uh bring you guys coverage this year
1: are we getting a quarterback decision before game week
0: my prediction is the week of the game
1: i i'm fully with you yeah, if not, that's my prediction. Like, I will. I like. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they go into the game and say we're, they go into San Jose State game and say they're gonna play both. I wouldn't be. Yeah. shocked. I wouldn't be well, totally what they, shocked.
0: What if they say they're gonna play all three?
1: <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Even, better. <laughs> Even better. I can see right? that. Would be I, a- like I'm just not shocked. I mean, we're literally yeah. a season away from Sonny Dykes doing that, playing three yeah. quarterbacks week one and still takes his team to a national championship. It's
0: true. I mean, it, it does seem very Smithian to go. So, yeah, we're all going to – they're all going to play. They're all going to play. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, spread way, 17.
1: I think we have a little bit of leeway.
0: A little, a little bit of wiggle room. But, uh, yeah, no, like I said, definitely make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com and keep, uh, keep tabs uh, on the website and on the damn board. We'll have all the updates for you guys uh, leading into the start of fall camp next week. But with, without further ado, we'll go ahead and uh, spend the rest of the podcast uh, wrapping up the rest of the Edge Top 25. TJ, we've, uh, we've had quite the journey. The honorable mentions all down to number one, but we uh, somehow have made it through the countdown. I feel like the entire month of July has seemingly uh, uh, flown by. I feel like we just just were having the 4th of July, and here we are uh, beginning of August. But as as is the case, the clock doesn't stop. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and, and dive right on into the list. When we left you guys last time, we uh, broke down uh, uh, all the way down to Hanelli Bloomfield at number 10. Uh, but now we're going to go ahead and go uh, number nine to number three. Starting off at number nine, defensive lineman, or excuse me, defensive lineman for nine. TJ, he's our highest graded defensive lineman. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, we are just talking about pass rush, and I don't think we mentioned him.
0: Yeah, how dare know, us? right? How dare yeah, us? true, the guy but who led terms- the team in tackles for loss.
1: Yeah. And in terms of importance on the defensive line, I mean, he's gotta be, he's gotta be up there. And now this is a question of is James Rawls going to turn those tackles for loss into some sacks. I know those numbers aren't perfect sacks or like, you know, I think all that really matters is you get pressure on the quarterback in the end. And then whatever else happens after is just is what it is. But I think that's a really important part for James Rawls this season, staying healthy and really generating a pass rush on the outside. And, that, that is what is going to allow this Beaver defense to take a next step is, is generating that pass rush. And I think everyone's going to be looking at James Rolls to be one of those guys who is like one of the top two or three contributors in terms of constantly pressuring the quarterback. He, he's going to be on the field more than most other guys on that defensive line. They trust him. They rely on him. And he's going to, you know, go show go out there and go show it that you're going to you're going to go really give the quarterback hell.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think James Rawls, you know, I think he earns that spot as the top, uh, top defensive lineman on our list. I think he had a, he's he's coming off a great year. He's very physical, very tough. And, you know, he's just a disruptor on that defensive line. And as you mentioned, uh, leading the team in tackles for loss is certainly um, uh, a strong point for him. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be looking to generate a little bit more pressure really, really good football player and someone they're going to really be happy to have on that line uh, this year Uh, coming in at number eight wide receiver Silas Bolden, Uh, Anthony Gould's PAC 12 media day pick of breakout player this year. You know, Silas kind of broke out last year. You know, I, uh, I just, you know, looked at his numbers, you know, he had a a pretty solid season, but I think when they mean breakout, they think they mean, you know, wants to push to be closer towards, you know, that thousand yard mark as a receiver, it'd be quite the increase from where he was. But if the Beavers are going to, you know, the more successfully in the way we think they're going to throw the ball, there should be lots of opportunities. I think Silas Bolden definitely has that it factor. Um, You know, we saw flashes of it in the bowl game a little bit, very electric with the ball in his hands, quick, great hands, uh, can kind of contort his body, lots of different ways to make really tough catches, uh, I think it's going to be a good season for him. Uh, yeah,
1: and not afraid to make a catch in traffic. That's for right. sure. And I think the that's real true. X factor with him, you know it's so crazy. the Beavers have two first team all pack twelve returners on their team. that's right. that's absurd. that that or that that is really. It is. It's really something. So like his game breaking ability, not will only be the impact he's going to make on the outside, but he can just totally flip the field in in special teams, which is really a unique aspect to have for a receiver. So, I mean, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, this guy is not going to be afraid to go jump up and go grab a ball over a defensive back, which I think DJ might trust. I mean, that's not really Anthony Gould's game. And again, the tight ends just not totally proven in in that aspect. Sure. Silas has shown like, you know, you just throw the ball up to me, I'll go catch it. Jump. That's, yeah. that's pretty important for a quarterback.
0: Yeah, he can definitely jump and I'm curious, you know, I think if I'm re- if I'm, you know, understanding it correctly, it seems to me like the Beavers are going to be okay still letting Anthony Gould return punts this year because do you think we see Silas take less kickoffs this year?
1: Well, I think he'll just let the ball bounce and they'll just start at the 20. Though I think they'll always line them out, but line them up back there. Fair.
0: No, just I got the, the you,
1: fear factor, but
0: you know, all you, you need know, to I do mean, is
1: it's... all you need to do now is take an e and you go out to the what the twenty-five yard line.
0: Sure, and it's been 20, that way is for... twenty or
1: twenty-five. I get my my 20, mixed up.
0: 25. and okay, but yeah. Silas, I believe, led the conference in kick return uh, yards per return, or was right there near the top, and that's kind of the debate that you have with your two receivers being your two best returners you're at a natural bigger risk of injury always returning punts or returning kicks not even not i mean punts a little bit less but tj you know they've done that rule to eventually dissuade teams of returning because it's such an injury factor to have dudes going full speed downfield at you know two locomotive type forces right so I, I do think, you know, it, they could watch it, but like you said, it's just something that came to mind as I was, you know, looking at his stats from last year is, you know, last year they had Tyjean Lindsey. They had Trayshawn Harrison. So maybe Silas Bolden being a returner, even if he did get a little dinged up, it probably wasn't as detrimental to this year where they need both those guys to be healthy.
1: The, like – but they can protect that by just telling Silas not to return a kickoff. Like the right, one where so they really that, might yeah. really need really need a kickoff return, they'll do it. Otherwise, it's just it's so easy to just wave for a fair catch right. and start at the 25. Like that
0: I agree. That's the I best agree. way
1: to protect them. So yeah, they'll they'll, they'll I, I understand totally. where, where it's at.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think that's probably the way that they'll they will approach it. Uh, coming in at number seven, the quarterback. One DJ Uyangale uh, comes in at number seven. Uh, no, folks, he's not coming in at number one. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> but uh, Oregon State, uh, DJ's still got to prove a few things on the field this year. And I think uh, Oregon State's uh, definitely got some uh, some talented playmakers that are going to be uh, particularly blocking for him that will be coming in uh, at the top spot. But honestly, TJ, with where we had been, I think this spot, you know, you maybe could have made a claim for top five for DJ but this spot feels right going into this season
1: i agree I, i'm i'm interested to see how dj responds to the first couple weeks of camp there is going to be some pressure on him because there there's going to be media there watching there's going to be people right. writing about him He's the number one story. He came to Oregon state to take some pressure off of himself. I love the words you used in your breakdown pressure cooker of Clemson. And it really couldn't get any more yeah. pressure cooker like that. It's like, Oh yeah, you're replacing Trevor Lawrence. Number one, overall pick national yeah. champion uh, made it, made it to the playoff three times in his college career. What, and, the what a, before, and the guy
0: before, and the guy, and him, by the way, no you're, you're about.
1: as highly rated as him. So no pressure, you better do the exact right. same thing. So it's not that, right. but I remember, I watched We watched DJ in spring and he was, fine he was
0: yeah he was adjusting fine is a good word. in spring
1: yeah. yeah he was adjusting in spring what if he comes out and struggles a little bit the first two weeks of camp I mean the pressure is on because he's supposed to start and it's not like the expectations around this program are any lighter than they are of Clemson this year I'd like the right maybe the Beavers Vegas total might be a little bit lower but in terms of what the fan bases expect it's pretty similar right and yeah. that's on top of learning a new a new offense that he says he's more comfortable with, opposed to the one they were running him in, in Clemson. So it, it's gonna be curious. Like he's gonna try and keep a loose mind, but what what if some balls start skipping in the dirt and he's not he's not playing as well and, and Ben and Aiden come out firing it in camps, two guys who know the might know the system a little bit better than him or digesting it a little bit better. That's what I'm curious to see with DJ. Yeah, because I mean chemistry
0: is one thing. he's got some
1: stuff on he's he's got some things to deal with here as camp rolls around
0: yeah chemistry is one thing because again he's still only working i'd be surprised if we're having the conversation him still learning the offense i would imagine he is almost caught up to ben and those other guys by now just Mm -hmm. knowing everything we've heard from from everyone, to, whether it's the guys talking about him at Packable Media Day or Jonathan talking about him or whatever, it's that he's quiet and the dude is a, like, is a film junkie. He spends so much time breaking down film, working on – so I think that he the summer was obviously great for him in that regard, but like you said, the pressure will be on. The difference is the pressure of Corvallis is nothing compared to the pr- pressure of following Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence as quarterbacks.
1: Right. That is <laughs> right.
0: a challenge, and while we'll ha- we'll having
1: Kate Klubnick breathing down your neck,
0: exactly, and you know it's you know not it, who knows, and he was also a West Coast guy, and again, I'm just gonna say this from someone from Southern California, you know, the I imagine Clemson, South Carolina is a little different that like, as far as just what you know. You think? <laughs> so, him coming back to the West Coast, I'm sure he probably feels a little bit more com- a little bit more comfortable at home. Not to say – I'm not saying it's bad or anything. It's just different, right? I would feel the right. same way coming from where I live if I went to Clemson. It would take – it would have a, a getting used to period. And he, not to say that he wasn't there for a while. He obviously was. But I think just in a numerous ways, the pressure will be off him in Corvallis. And I, I really do think he's going to thrive. I don't – you know, I think what you mentioned, I think it's possible. But I think it's a low likelihood. I think he will – showcase himself as being the best quarterback in time and it'll be one of those things where we're all kind of like you know when are they going to name him the guy but our eyes haven't seen it in the spring or in the fall yet so that's definitely something to dive into but nevertheless dj comes in at number seven we'll be excited to uh, chit chat about him and talk to him and break them all down here in the weeks to come uh coming to number six the uh, top receiver on the list anthony gould the all-american uh returner uh, get, uh coming back this this year uh again some all-american honors as a return specialist last year probably oregon state's most all-around best receiver again case for silas too uh but just like silas a lot of the same things i said a little less springy as far as like being able to go up and make like acrobatic catches, but Anthony Gould's great with the ball in his hands. Maybe the best guy on the team with the ball in his hands, zip to zip speed kind of a thing. He is elusive. Uh, Hence his punt return touchdowns this last year. And uh, yeah, I think he could easily be a thousand yard receiver. I I don't see that as a, a big stretch.
1: Yeah, I think volume would be only question of whether or not he gets to a thousand, but especially it's that downfield aspect and utilizing the rocket arm of of DJ and what Anthony I think is going to going to be the biggest asset on this team and uh, on top of all his returning duties and flipping the field on a punt, which is very important and he is going to have like punt returners like do return almost every single punt, which is going to be curious of how much is Jonathan going to let his wide receiver one Go out there and take a hit exactly. on a punt return. So that'll be uh that'll be something curious to look at. But expectations are high for Anthony Gould this year. And he's you know, and I'm sure he'll go out there and perform that dude. He's a baller.
0: Yeah, and just I love his confidence. Him at Media Day, like just he he exudes confidence. And I think that's just that that's huge for a receiver room that needs a little swagger to it. So that I, I definitely like what I'm seeing from uh Anthony there. Uh coming in at number five, we inside the top five now. We got Katan Oladopo. Uh, the uh, top defensive player on uh, our countdown, and what we say is Oregon State's most important defensive player, TJ. I stand by that. This defense looks entirely different right now. If Oladapo did not decide to come back, I, I I think it's one of the biggest moves they, not even move, but just biggest things that worked in their favor this offseason. He's huge.
1: That's a, yeah. That that would have been an entire secondary to replace, and we'd be sitting here talking about how important it is. Of, of what they're replacing in the secondary, but that, he's the captain back there. He is the he is the he is the veteran leading all these other guys around him, which is going to be fascinating because he's going to have new guys to his sides and new guys yep. in front of him at the linebacker spot as well in terms of comfortability and 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 returners this season, which is fascinating, which makes his job all that more important in terms of being out there and leading. I mean, he's the one who's got the snaps. He's the one who's yep. played excellent full Pac-12 seasons before, and for a kid who was a walk-on. See, he's carved out a pretty oh, nice role it. for himself.
0: Oh, I love it, man. Happy Valley. You know, I, I just, I, I, you know, I'm a sucker for those guys. And anyone listening, any of those guys, that, you know, John Miller too. I, I'm, I definitely like those guys that are come from the local schools here. And, you know, I love that Catano Ladapo said at Pac-12 Media Day that is, you know, one of his Oregon State idols is Jordan Poyer, another local guy from Astoria. I mean, that, that's awesome to me. Um, so, again, those kind of guys are what help make Oregon State's program what it is, so you have to have those guys. And Katan's going to have a big year. He's he's big for that secondary uh, in numerous ways. And last uh, uh, but not least of the skill position players, we arrive at Damian Martinez at number four, uh, coming off a, a big time freshman season, lots of uh, accolades, lots of expectations moving forward. The Beavers probably have, well, not even probably they do. They have their next great running back in front of them. And uh, we'll get into the three uh, the three guys that will be blocking for him and DJU uh, to come here in the final three spots. Big spoiler, they're all offensive linemen. But let's uh, get into uh, Damian real quick, TJ. Uh, not a lot to be said about Damian other than, you know, he met the expectations. Took him a little bit to get going last year, didn't really seize it until midway. But man, once he got going, there wasn't anybody slowing him down.
1: He's just a freight train. I mean, we're sitting yes. here saying expectations. Okay, so a successful season for Damian Martinez, given the expectation is first team all conference and 15 touchdowns, probably, Yeah, and what, right? 12, as, the, as, a, as a clear lead running back in a crowded and talented running back room, yeah. I think that's fair for him. And I think he yeah. would agree in terms of what he expects to produce for this offense this year, a successful offense as Damian Martinez is doing that.
0: Yeah, no, and and I and like you said, I think Damian is going to be, you know, I think he's going to be even better. And as TJ and I alluded to, I think the offensive line could be even better. Than it were last year, I mean, you know, uh, several groups of Oregon State with like a top ten offensive line in the country this year, maybe top five, and there's reason why. And again, we'll we'll announce our list uh, of the top three. Again, we right tackle Talis Ruaga coming in number three, Seth good coming in number two, and. Left tackle Joshua Gray coming in at number one. That's our list, but TJ and I discussed it extensively. The final three offensive—they feel you could make a case for one for any of them. Uh, it's they're they're a little split in hairs because all three of those guys have various preseason honors. TJ, uh, various preseason all-conference honors. Um, you know, Jake Levengood's the most you know experienced of the group. Josh. Talise Fuaga probably have the most pro potential of the group so you can kind of you know parse out based on on what you like most in an offensive line but we went with you know Fuaga having one year of starting experience at three Levengood good kind of being the captain of the of the offensive line at two and then gray who we believe is Oregon State's just overall, overall best offensive lineman uh, coming in a number one what are your thoughts on that uh, O line uh, trio at the
1: top? Well, it gives you. It, it really shows you how strong your foundation is when five of your top eleven players on your roster are all offensive linemen. There are mm-hmm. so many teams around the country who would beg to have one of these guys in their top ten, and Oregon State has all five of their offensive linemen going from yep. one to eleven. That's that's just it's exceptional, and just speaks to the the role that Jim Mahalcheck does, and they're they're going to be important this year, right? I mean, that's going to be the anchor of of. Uh, of this team when you match up with some of these really elite squads and especially ones with great defenses that offensive line makes the difference especially if you're going to get into a big time bowl game and you're trying to win that bowl game that offensive line is what gives you the edge when you don't recruit at the same level along the defense that those other teams do
0: no and that's 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 perfectly uh, you said it perfectly and I go back to the beginning of the podcast when I emphasized how important it is that Jim Mahalchuk continue to get wins on the recruiting trail because he is one of the best developers of talent at the offensive line position. It's not like Oregon State's out there landing five-star offensive linemen. These are largely guys that coach Mahalczyk has, you know, built up and, you know, all these things these guys have worked really hard and gotten to their particular spots. So, definitely a point, of point a point of pride for Oregon State to have the offensive line leading the way, the identity of their team, and that's why we decided to go with the offensive linemen leading the way. And that wraps up the Beaver's Edge top 25 list. So big shout out to TJ for uh, helping me create that this year. Thanks to everyone for uh, uh, giving your thoughts on the rankings and whatnot. We've certainly enjoyed it. Make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com. we got fall camp coming up next week. TJ and I will be live in Corvallis. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Edge Podcast.